shall continue our series on practical discipleship. This is the third installment of our four series on practical discipleship. Discipleship has been very dear to my heart and it's something that I can probably teach even when I'm sleeping because I didn't just learn it, I actually experienced it myself. So today, I'm going to talk about part three of becoming a, a, a believer to a disciple. We mentioned that many Christians are believers, but they've never been discipled. And discipleship begins when somebody becomes a student of the word, which means he or she is learning from someone else or in a small group. And more importantly, not just knowing the word, but becoming a doer of the word. It's not merely enough to just know what is right and wrong or have knowledge of the word, but also to be able to do and apply things in your life. It's very, very practical. There's also a saying, faith, it's not a saying, it's actually a verse. Faith without action is dead. You know, you can, I'd rather know 10, you know, 2,000 verses and apply them rather than know so many verses and not apply them. I also mentioned last week that you can be a Christian for three years and have the maturity of a 30-year-old Christian, or you can be a Christian now for 30 years and still have a maturity of a three-year-old and still be a baby Christian. So it's not the length of time. I also mentioned that you, begin, you can be a Christian and be a defeated Christian. What does that mean? It means you're not victorious in your life. And I would account that to a lack of discipleship. So today I want to talk about discipleship as a means of growing in God. Are you growing in the Lord? Or are you stagnant? Or sometimes regressing? If there was a title for this message, if you really want to grow in the Lord, this is the title of this message. You mature when you minister to others. Part of growing as a Christian is first being a follower of Christ, of course, and eventually becoming a disciple. Have you taught another person the Word of God? Whether it's your child, your children, maybe other people. Have you mentored others? It's so important that we, are, we learn to feed ourselves first and eventually to be able to feed others. Now that you've grown in the knowledge of the Lord, it's time for us to be the one feeding others, teaching others. You know, when I became a parent years ago, <clears throat> I wasn't ready to become a parent. When I had my first baby, I didn't know what to do. But I just, you know, it just happened as you, as he grows up, I just learned to nurture my children, take care of them, feed them. It's the same with being a Christian or being a spiritual parent to others. You just learn as you go ahead. In fact, you're forced to mature when you're teaching others. Imagine if you're an adult and your parents are still spoon feeding you. You can be an adult. It's the same with our spiritual lives. First, we have to learn to feed ourselves, learn how to discipline ourselves, have some spiritual discipline to be able to know and understand the word. It takes time. When I start, first started reading the Bible, you know, some of the verses I couldn't understand. But I just disciplined myself to just continue on doing that again and again. Until finally, it's like a big jigsaw puzzle. Where finally, oh, now I'm beginning to understand why he said that. And it's connected to this. I'm beginning to see a bigger picture. When Jesus, in one of his teachings, he says, he mentioned, go therefore 
and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you. In other words, I will never leave you to the ends of the age. This is found in Matthew 28. This particular verse is called the Great Commission. The Great Commission is actually a command. To go and make disciples is a command. Some people don't like to hear you know, me saying that. It's a command to go out there and teach people about Jesus. It's not called the Great Suggestion. It's called the Great Commission. He was commanding us to disciple others. He was commanding us to teach others what you have learned from Jesus. Unfortunately, many have, many have disobeyed this command. Many do not follow that. Many think that the only way to grow is to attend church, pray, and read your Bible. While that is needed, it is more important that we're able to teach others. See, when you're just receiving from you know, during a Sunday message, it's not enough. It's different when you're the one driving. You know, every time my, my wife and I we would travel and I would be the one driving, for some reason she forgets where the directions and where she's going. But when she's the one driving, she finally remembers everything. It's the same way when you teach others. You remember the passages more when you're the one teaching. And as you teach others, guess who matures? You, the guy who's teaching, right? Because this is one way you become a spiritual parent. I have personally benefited from obeying this command in many, many ways. A few weeks ago, I mentioned that there is the sin of, remember that, the sin of commission and the sin of omission. The sin of commission are the sins that you shouldn't be doing, but you did. You committed sin. And then the sin of omission are the sins that things that you should be doing, but you never did. You omitted to do it. Many people omitted to obey this great commission. Very important. You know, when I was a new disciple, uh, my brother-in-law actually and some friends who discipled me told me, hey, Jay, let's meet up in McDonald's. This was a long time ago. And I said, it's 7 a.m. good for you. And I said, yeah, sure. And you know what? I was late, 15, 20 minutes. And then says, hey, bro, you're late. Our meeting is 7. Do you want to move it to 7.30? I said, no problem. Let's just do it 7. I'll be there. The following week, I was, I was late again. And they said, bro, if you're having a hard time with 7, we can do it at 8. And I said, no, no worries. The third meeting, I was late again. I don't know, 30 minutes. And then you know what he said? I still remember this. This is like 36 years ago. And he said to me, Jay, if I can't trust you with time, I will never trust you with money. We were both doing business, and I realized, man, he, it was true. See, the difference with you sitting in church and just listening to somebody preach is different when there's a face-to-face -face and people get to know you and find out your true weaknesses. It may be as simple as that, but that lesson that I learned taught me that if I'm not a good steward of my time, I won't be a good steward of money because it's so important. This is one of the benefits of being discipled. Somebody meeting with you on a regular basis, getting to know you, building a relationship with you, me learning to trust him and him learning 
to know my strengths and weaknesses. We get to know each other. See, the people who knows you the best, who know you the best, are the people who can minister to you the most. And this is called discipleship. It's not going to be easy if you're just listening to a podcast because people don't know what you're doing. But when you begin to know somebody, you know what button to press, you know their weaknesses, and that's where change needs to happen, right? One time, another time when I was driving, for those who don't know, I, I kind of drive a little bit fast before, a long time ago, and sometimes crazy driving. And I was going to, you know, driving long distance, and my, my mentor called me and says, Jay, uh, bro, I know you're driving. Drive slow. <laughs> and immediately I slowed down. He wasn't even with me, but he knew and he understands me because he knows me so well. By the way, thank you again. You know who you are. I, he knows. He, this guy is a blessing to me. A disciple and a mentor is going to be a blessing to you if you want to be discipled. See, when I experienced all these benefits of being a disciple and my life became better, I want others to also experience what I experienced. You're missing out if you, you're not discipled. You're missing out if you don't have a friend or somebody you can trust who can teach you life lessons. Somebody can tell you straight, you know what? You're cheating. You know what? You're not, you're not giving. You're, you're not tired. You're stealing. I, you know, somebody can't do that when you're just sitting in church. You know, discipleship, or just like any other sport, I don't like to call discipleship a sport, but Christianity is not a, is not a spectator sport, meaning you're not just there watching five people play the game, okay? It's a sport where everybody, it's a, Christianity is something where everybody is, should be in the game, okay? So, that's my, that's my, some of my experience in discipleship. It's very, very much needed. My first point is this. You will mature when you minister. Okay, first point. You will grow faster in the Lord when you become a spiritual parent to others. This verse says in Ephesians 4, it says, So Christ, so Christ himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, to equip his people for works of service. The fivefold ministry are these are the full-time uh, ministers. And what is the primary job of pastors like myself? What is our job? Our job is to equip the saints, equip the people in church to do the work of service or to do the work of ministry. So what that means is the more we equip as full-time pastors, the more we equip the saints or equip you guys to do the work of the ministry, the more effective it will become. We should minister less and equip more. It is your job to be ministering to other people. Our job is to equip you. You should be starting your own small groups. Again, it may sound like a task, it's not. In fact, it's a privilege when you are able to do that. It will, again, it will refresh you. It will make you mature. And it goes on to say, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Do you 
do you mature first before you minister? Or do you need to attend all these Bible schools before you start ministering and leading a group? No. In fact, you will mature faster when you minister first. I started my small group when I, you know, two weeks after I got saved. And I didn't know anything about the Bible. All I knew during the time was God, God loves me and he died for me. That's all I know. I was so excited with that good news that I wanted to gather people and talk and read the word together. And many times they would ask me, what happened to Mary and Martha? I said, I don't know them. Who are they? Who's this in the Bible? Who's king? Who is the king? Who's the king of all this and this? I said, I don't know. But then I would ask, but let me tell you, I'm going to find out and I'm going to get back to you. When you're discipling others, you're not, you don't have to be the Bible scholar. No, you're just simply facilitating the group and you learn from one another. You don't have the monopoly of all the wisdom. It's everyone pitching in and learning from one another. You're simply leading or you're simply facilitating and guiding others to study the word. That's discipleship. Okay. So how do you do it? You mature when you minister, not minister or study and become a minister per, first to mature. Okay. Second point, you are refreshed when you minister. Okay. How many of you need refreshing? How many of you need encouragement? Yeah, we all need it, right? It says a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Wow, I love that. Every time you encourage some, someone else, guess who's the first one to get encouraged? You. Every time you share the word, who gets encouraged first? You. See, it's important that when you disciple others, you know, you, you're forced to study because you're going to teach. You're going to share. And guess who's refreshed? You are, right? So you mature when you minister and you get refreshed when you minister. My third point, you don't have to be an expert to lead a group or share God's word. No one's an expert. A lot of people are probably knowledgeable about the word, but it's in the doing. It's having a relationship. It's not. The Bible says knowledge puffets up. You can know so many things, but it's just in your head and not in your heart. It's useless. What you want to do is have an intimate relationship with God and know God in your heart. I'm excited that when I go to heaven one day, you know, you go to heaven and heaven is there. Finally, you get there and you see Jesus. How would you approach Jesus when you're in heaven? Is it going to be, ah, oh, Jesus, ah, oh, you're the one that people are talking about. I heard about, or Jesus, I know you. I've been talking to you every day. And you give him a hug. Remember that time when I was in trouble and you saved me? I'm so grateful. Why? Because there's an intimate relationship. It's not about just knowledge. You don't have to be an expert. But you know, the Bible is like a love letter. Every time you read a love letter, when you know, when I was courting my wife and she passes me tiny notes, man, I was so excited. It's the same with the word. But I wasn't an expert, but I had a relationship. Very important. And sometimes people ask you questions, and if you don't know the answer, just tell them, I don't know. I'll just get back to you. There's a remarkable story in John 9 of Jesus. Remember that? 
healing a man born blind. It's worth a read through the chapter. Jesus spits, rubs on the man's, remember that guy? Man's eyes and sends the, the, this man, the now seeing man back into the community. Of course, people would ask him. Of course, people who knew the man noticed. Religious leaders had questioned him and his parents were not quite sure what to think or say, who did this to you? Why now? How, how were you healed? Why were you healed? There's a lot of hope and power in the man's response. You know what he said? I don't know how to answer all of your questions, but one thing for sure, before I was blind, but now I can see. He shared the good news that, that changes life. So how do you share? If you, you know, you're not, you probably don't know everything about the Bible. Start with, I am. I don't know all the answers, but I am healed. I don't know all the answers, but I am forgiven. I don't know all the answers, but I now can love people. God uses the simple phrase, I am, to describe who he is. When Moses asked, what should I say about him? God replies, I am who I am. In Exodus, Jesus invokes the same phrase many times in the New Testament. I'm the bread of life. I'm the son of God. I am the way. So when we say, I am, and fill in the blanks with parts of your story, it's very hard for other people to refute you or to tell us that we're not. You can say, you know what? I am changed. Or I am well. I am less angry. I am more patient. I'm more kind. I'm more loving. I'm more forgiving. Just like the blind man. We may, we may not be able to trace back all the steps, every verse or every ounce of how we've been changed in Jesus. But what we can say, I am. I am can open the door just a little bit for people to trust our story and in turn trust Jesus, who is really writing all of this. The gospel of Jesus changed us, and it can change them too. My fourth point, you learn from everyone as you guide others in studying the word. Again, we learn from a lot of people. I learn up to this day. Sometimes I learn from my children. We study together to learn how to follow Jesus. That's discipleship. We all should be a disciple of Jesus. Paul mentioned this. Remember, mentioned this, that we need a person to imitate. If you disciple others, you're the person they're looking to. You don't have to be perfect. No one is. But what are they following? Are they following me? No. They're following the Christ in me, the Christ in you. Remember, he, Paul said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. We are the physical manifestation of Jesus. People will learn how to follow Christ through you, through your example, through the example of others. God's children are supposed to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Okay, we learn from each other. We share what we learn and vice versa. The Holy Spirit is not just in me, it's in every one of us. So we learn from one another. If the Holy Spirit is in you, you hear God, right? And if you hear God, share God. If you spend time studying the Word, you'll be able to teach and share with others. I remember, what, what qualification do I need? As long as you're one chapter ahead, you can already start discipling others. My fifth point. You can start a discipleship group, okay, or a small group. But, you know, first be a part of one. Be a follower, right? We talked about that. But anyone can start one. 
I've started so many groups. Some of them ended last night. Some of them ended the day it started. But some of them went on for 15 years, another group 10 years, 5 years. And many of them are now discipling others. Why? Because it's a lifestyle. It's not a task. It's not a job. It's a lifestyle. Loving others is not a rule. It's a natural thing. There's something inside of each one of us that want to know this God. And as you begin to seek God, you seek God with other believers. That's a group. That's when you become a spiritual parent. Some of the people I'm parenting are older than me in age, in biological age. It has nothing to do with age. It has everything to do with spiritual maturity. And it's the greatest benefit. It's the greatest fulfillment when you realize, you know, the people you're discipling are growing in God. Every Friday for the past two and a half years, I've been discipling seven, eight, ten-year-olds. Two and a half years now, yes. And I realized, wow, they know so many verses already. And we did it consistently again and again and learning. I just did one this morning because I'm recording now. It's Friday. And I just did one. And it's amazing. We are talking about James a while ago. It's a lifestyle. Are you discipling people? You can start now. You don't have to be a Bible expert. You can begin to follow the Great Commission. And it's going to be the greatest blessing of your life. Amen? 